Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is for Julie Summerfield, quote, the best goddamn mother a man could want. Today's show is called One Swallow Does Not an F1 Driver Make. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? All right. How you doing there, buddy? Well, I just thought after all the excitement of Baku, with all the smashing of the things and the barging of the cars and the yelling at the internet, I thought we'd just calm it down a little and just have a nice chilled F1 show. I, for one, have swapped the stool I normally perch on. You know, I'm normally in a ready-for-action pose, and instead, I've pulled up this high-back faux leather chair so I can be all relaxed, and also, I can get all up in the mic. But first off, let me tell you that we are an independent podcast hosted by my site, MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. Joining us tonight on the panel is resident wheel turner, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Jeansy? It's going all good. Spanners, happy to be back. Even if it's not a race show because you told me I now have to do something else other than just the glory shows. You can't just come in and take the prestige shows. You've got to come in and do the grind on the F1 news. But it's good. There's a lot of things here we want to get your opinion on. And especially with such an action-packed race, there's only so much you could do on a Sunday night review show. And so, yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of a catch-up. And I do want to get your view on stuff as you are on the road at Nürburgring. You were on the way back from that last week. Uh, how was that? That was one of the best experiences in motorsport I've ever had. If you are a car fan and you just love motorsport or just cars in general, you have to get there. It's unreal. And finishing off the panel is Tin Top Apologist, commentator and host of Race the Roof, Goldie, Alex Goldschmidt. How's it going, mate? Evening, Spanners. Evening, everybody. Yeah, nice to be back on Mr. Apex again. So do you think that Maku kind of matched 
the general excitement that you claim Tintops have week in, week out? Well, in comparison with what happened this weekend at the Norris Ring, both of them were exciting races and both of them had red flags. So that's all I'm going to say about that one. Oh, wow. Even you referencing it has bored me to tears. In... I, I can see you weeping right about now, Spanners. Also joining us is the live stream. Hello. It's nice to see so many people joining us just for a new show when it's not even an exciting race review or anything. We will get to the chat room whenever we can. If you want to join the chat room, especially for race reviews, why not find Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube and subscribe to us there. Click the little bell and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Let's start off with some news. Well, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is not the FIA court case, believe it or not. It's the race we've got coming up next week as the championship moves to Austria, the Red Bull Ring. What do you make of this track? Because it's, it's an iconic track. It's not quite the track that we knew from history, but we've had, I think this is our third visit back to it now. And actually, it's one of the tracks I look forward to in the calendar now, Matt. Yeah, it does tend to have very interesting results, particularly through the first corner. And there are some very long straights and some very sharp corners. So it's going to make for a different kind of a test. And I feel sorry for Roman Grosjean's breaks already. It's interesting because Roman Grosjean actually said that he needs to manage that better. And do you think that he's saying he needs to manage a problem better? Or is he saying that he's kind of part of the problem? Well, I would say if you look at his teammates' races and his teammates' breaks, you'd have to start to conclude that perhaps he plays a part in the brake problems he's been experiencing. Could that be because Magnussen doesn't go fast enough to put anything into his brakes? Well, it, it could be, except for if you look at where he finishes the races. Yeah, but Grosjean's an aggressive type of driver, so I think he's got that kind of, he's a bit like Lewis in a sense of he's hard on the brakes, but um, I still think he's better than K-Mag, but that was more right. of a dig than anything else. Oh, he might very well be, but there was an interesting uh, YouTube video put out by Peter Windsor in which he talked about braking and uh, Rob Wilson in brakes particularly, and he says that Grosjean has always been banging on about how late he is on the brakes, but that his braking technique is slightly different to people like Lewis and, um, well, even Magnuson, who who taken some lessons. Yes, Spanners. I'd like to sort of find out a bit more about that because obviously you do need to be a late breaker and the really, truly great guys are great on the brakes. Um, well, Hannah in the chat room says Grosjean is still going for the Ferrari job. Gary suggests that Grosjean seems to be trying to actively get fired. <laughs> so, you know, this isn't doing his reputation any good, is it? Uh, no, it's not doing his reputation any good. Up until now, his teammate could be dismissed as being, well, you know, he was clearly ahead of his teammate. Magnuson is giving a real uh, struggle in terms of points and in terms of race finishes. And crucially, Magnuson d isn't on the radio every race complaining about everything always. And I think that's really going to be, if anything cashiers him, it's not going to be his speed. It's going to be his attitude, as it were. Yep, and that's a big part of it. And he was complaining that he felt that the um, what the FOM broadcast was replaying more of his whinging radio than ugh, than other people's. But really, was it, or is this the sort of thing where you know it's a bit of kidology and a bit of psychology kicking in? Yeah, well, it's it's one feeds the other. It's a catch twenty two. The more you complain, the more they play it. The more they play it, the more entertained everyone is. The more entertained everyone is the more it gets played. So complaining about that just makes it 
<laughs> exponentially worse. Okay, speaking of complaining, the thing I always complain about, but I've tried to stop and you won't let it go, is tyres. So why don't we lay out what we think the tyres is going to be here? Because is this another low-deg circuit, seeing as there's only three corners? No, I don't think the circuit is is low degradation. I actually don't have a clue what the circuit is in terms of degradation, but I don't recall it being low deg. Um, but with the tires we have this year, kind of everything sort of is. I think one of the other things we've got to talk about here is track elevation changes, but also drivers actually respecting track limits because we've seen it uh, over the last couple of years or so where people have actually gone wide on turn eight, haven't they? Well, I don't think you need track limits. Jeansy, come on, you're with me here. You don't need track limits. There's a certain point where the advantage ends from going any wider, so just let them go. It's, it's this conversation which makes me really wonder why you have an F1 podcast. Seriously, we're going to have the track limits conversation now. Um, uh, uh, it defines or, 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 the racing or, 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 circuit. It's what makes it's what makes F1 difficult or easy is where the confines of the track are. You stick to the rules, just like you don't ram into other drivers. You stick to the rules. Or, or as I'm going to point out, I think we had a particular four-time world champion spinning a couple of years back out of turn th- turn eight, nearly hitting the wall. Or was that somebody else? Someone had a 360 coming out of the final turn. Yeah, your point being... Rosberg put it in there at the end of quali. Yeah. A couple yeah. of so years ago. It was, yeah, it was Rosberg. So, yeah, as Jeansy said, I agree with him on track limits that people have to sort of watch what they're doing. Just make the track the most desirable place to be and then let them go. Simple as that. Then it won't be then it won't be difficult. The whole reason we respect and love F1 drivers is because they're the best of the best, able to stick within the confines. I can imagine if you got out there, you'd end up in a barrier, every single one of them probably. Yeah, but Actually, I'm... I don't think I'd make it out of the pit lane, but your point is taken. That's a good point. The only time I've had to go in a single seat of race car, I was amazed how difficult it was just to leave the pit lane. Like it was... It was a struggle and I was seeing people were like, it was all Muppets like me and seeing people stalling and struggling and just having the instructors like yelling, no more, just all the power, all the power, go. It's not like a hill start in your car where you've got to find the bike point. All the power, get off the clutch, go. So yeah, no, really good. I'd love to get into some predictions here though, because uh, Goldie, you were talking about the elevation. Do you think that makes it more of a power track? So that takes it away again from the teams like Honda and Renault. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had it in seasons past where Red Bull, this is their home track, and they have struggled, especially when we had, uh, I think, Vettel having a no-power issue when he was still with the team before he jumped to Ferrari. But I think the two main teams that are going to benefit from this are Mercedes and Ferrari as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the new aero brings in terms of corner speed um, and also the straight-line speed for DRS overtakes as well. Yeah, they might not have to stop. Or slow down at all, if the arrow's good enough with these Mickey Mouse turns. No, it's all right. I actually don't mind the track. It seems challenging enough, the fact that it's, uh, you know, all right-hand turns until we get to that centre bit. And I do like the little sequence at the end with the double right-handers. So, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see the car's kind of on the limit of traction and grip there. What will be great with this circuit and with the new regulations and much much more downforce is because it's such a fast circuit, apart from turn two, which is quite slow, them all being so so much faster, they'll be much more physical on the drivers themselves. So we might see something a bit more like Spain, you know, when drivers were knackered throughout the race. We might see some more of that because they've really got to hustle the cars to get the best. Because it's a type of circuit where you really have to push. You could that's why you're seeing them going outside track limits because they're having to push so hard because that's where the time is. Um, so the guys who can keep it on the tarmac and who are fittest will do well. 
All right, then. So let's uh, lay down some predictions then. Uh, we don't have to do it in a straight who do you think is going to win. But I just want to re-examine our chat a little bit about who has the faster car. Because Baha in the chat room is saying, funny how everyone was blaming Merck for said oil burning, when it seems it was probably Ferrari. I feel vindicated. So how much does the panel feel that Ferrari have lost an advantage by no longer being able to do this, if that is indeed the case? Well, I think the advantage you can see them losing is in qualifying, and it was clearly a couple of tenths at at Baku. However, there are also rumors that Ferrari is bringing an engine upgrade to Austria uh, that involves a revamped combustion chamber and an additively manufactured piston, which is honeycombed and made out of steel for higher temperature resistance and rumors of up to 50 extra horsepower as a result of this. Wow. Well, that would be really significant, but that's the kind of thing you want to see that before you believe it. And certainly that would even up the the things at the moment, because I genuinely think that Mercedes does have the better race car at the moment. I'm going to go to Goldie first, because I think you agree with me. I think Ferrari did enjoy, you know, perhaps a temporary blip of parity combined with better strategy, combined with just an overall better package. But I think that Mercedes have streaked away now. And if you look at the non-Monaco tracks we've had, Mercedes have looked much, much better, as in not much better like they have been over the last few years. But in the context of this season, they've just had enough to be ahead of the Ferraris. Yeah, just enough by uh, by all accounts. But yeah, Monaco is one of those blips where it is a street track and it sort of equilibrium, uh, puts an equilibrium more to the point. But yeah, on a power track where getting out of the corners, having the straight line speed, um, it's going to be more benefit to Mercedes than, than to Ferrari, I feel. Uh, on the gas in the chat room is saying that the Ferrari upgrade engine is at Silverstone, Matt. Could that be true? Uh, Gary's agreeing with me that Merck are definitely better overall. And yeah, Christopher Silverstone, that's correct. My apologies. Oh, that's fine. In that case, I'm saying as far as a prediction goes, I'm a Mercedes 1-2. I think these guys are going to nail it on. And as long as the Finns can stop from touching each other into corners, I think there's going to be a Mercedes-dominated weekend. Yeah, I think with regards to the whole which car's better, just sort of I'm actually backing you and Goldie up on this because I think what Ferrari got right was they got it perfect out the box. I think I think Mercedes had a fast car to start with that was proved because of because of pole positions, but they've just managed to find their little tweaks. Cause obviously, the window for the tires was the issue, and I think they've managed to, um, pardon the pun, crack that window open a little bit more. Yeah, Matt, you and I agreed in Australia, didn't we, that they were caught out by the fact they actually had to compete with somebody, and tactically, Ferrari seemed to do um, a lot better, and that may have been flattering. But I know you still hold out hope that they're going to be challenging Mercedes. Yeah, well, I think if you look at race pace, that it's very, very similar. And was was in was in Baku as well. Although the Mercedes looked more composed than the Ferrari, if you look at actual lap times, there wasn't much in between them. Where Mercedes has the clear advantages in qualifying right now. And I will say that it when you talk about a narrow window, Again, we see uh, track temperature especially playing a very large role and and how that goes. And Ferrari seems to be more adaptable to a wider range of conditions. So you could see a thing where an FP3, say, Lewis or, or Valtteri is way ahead. And if the temperature changes significantly, it could all go Ferrari's way. So in certain circumstances, yeah, 
if if circumstances are ideal for Mercedes, I'd say they're probably a little bit faster. But how often is that the case and how big is the window? And I'd say that's Ferrari's advantage right now. Awesome. Okay, then here's a question for the chat room and you guys before we move on to the fantasy league. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, I haven't want to talk about it uh, of late, but you know, I think now I can, I've, I've climbed off the bottom at least. So I'm ready to talk about it again. But do we think this is a two way fight or a three way fight for the championship? Because Hamilton on the face of it didn't look fantastic by asking his team to make Valtteri slow down so he could put some wash into Sebastian Vettel. Now, is he doing this because he genuinely feels like the Mercedes team are backing him over Valtteri Bottas? Or was it a misjudged situation where he thought, okay, if, if he's not going to get second place, then maybe we can play a bit of a team game here. The impression I got was that he was just not really thinking about how the media and us would react to that radio call. All he was thinking is, I'm the number one driver. Can you get that guy to help me pass my championship contender? I'll take this. Um, I think it was a case of Lewis didn't quite know how far Valtteri was behind Stroll. So he didn't know how much he was catching up. Um, so it was a case of if Valtteri is not, he actually said it, actually. He said, if Valtteri is not going anywhere, um, can he back him up? Would Lewis have been thinking about the press? Not a chance. No, not all at all. Thi- all. All he's thinking about is beating Sebastian Vettel. And I think with a team screwing up and putting Lewis in that position, he was like, right, what can I do to get myself back in? Okay, my teammates a couple of seconds further up the road. Can he back up a bit to help us both out? Baja says that in clean air, Lewis was walking away from Seb at about four tenths. Gary agrees it's a two-way fight, as does Paul and Michael. And they're saying that Lewis was losing out in sector two, which I guess meant that he couldn't get a good run into the final sector to overtake on the straight. Two-way, says RJ Bone, and Lewis's request was daft. I I agree. I think it ended up looking a bit silly. I think you've just got to get into his mindset about what he was trying to do. Uh, But yeah, it it did look, especially in the context of recent years with his battle with Rosberg, you know, like he was asking for a bit of assistance. But hey, let's lay off him a little bit when we remember the amount of champions, especially at Ferrari, that had a ton of assistance. Think of Massa having his gearbox broken open. Think of, uh, you know, all the times that Schumacher, Alonso, Vettel have had help at Ferrari. I don't think we can begrudge Lewis Hamilton getting some number one treatment. Well, I certainly won't, but you know my bias. Okay, let's get a Fantasy League update. And we're joined in the Skype by Deputy Fantasy League Coordinator, Hannah Hassel. Thank you for stepping in for Patrick, Hannah. It's all right. It's all right. I seem to do it quite a lot. but Hey, it's good to have you here. Are you going to be the bearer of good or bad news? I have not checked it this week. I assume I've overtaken Tony Thunderbeast Barnard. That's all I care about. You haven't, unfortunately. Whether it's good or bad news depends on who you are, really. Me? I'm Spanners. Hi. Okay. Do we want to do the good news first or the bad news first? Let's get the bad news out of the way. The bad news, Spanners, is that you're 113. What? That's loads down. What's going on? I've got Hamilton in my team. How many Spanners is that? Right. Stop it right there. I am not a unit of measure. I will not have this. This is terrible. They've been doing this in the Slack group to me all day. They've been measuring things. I should not have revealed my height. It was a mistake. I regret every decision that led to this point. Hannah, how's smug trumpets over there doing? He's 22nd. 
How did he go? We were like neck and neck. How are you 22nd? Because he's paying for it, so it's classed as cheating, so it doesn't count. You're a premium user. Unbelievable. So he can swap his team to his heart's desire. Go ahead and track my team changes. Tell me how often I have changed my team members. No, I've made a snap decision that you're cheating by paying for it. Van Jean, you're 64th. It's respectable. Which isn't huh? bad. <laughs> How's that even possible? Clearly that $5. I'm really glad you came on tonight now. Good. Yeah, I dropped about 25 places this week, so... Where are you at? I'm down to 51st. You're down to 51st. So who's actually leading our league then? I think it's Tim Marsh. It is. Congratulations to Tim. Yeah. Now, because Tony Thunderbeast Barnard doesn't count the premium players, he has given me his secret. He thinks he's seventh, whatever place he's really in. If you don't count premium users, he's sixth. That's incredible. If you, do, he's, if you do, he's 17th. He said to me, those of you who don't know, Tony used to come and uh, read the chat room comments for us. Uh, he's not a massive F1 expert, but he's been really enjoying it. And he says, uh, oh, no, no, I don't really know about the results and that, but I've just found a gaming system for it, like, and he shared it with me. So I'm going to be changing my team now. Uh, Hannah, uh, how do you feel that the league is shaping up? Who, who should we be looking out for? Well, Craig Norman of Badger GP is up in fourth. We've got a few chat room friends. Chris Fonseca is eighth. Wow. Well done, Chris. very respectable. (laughs) Um, And let's see who else I can find quickly. Sam from Slack is up in 31st. Patrick is 33rd. He's beating me, which is very irritating. I did five races of it last year and nearly beat him. I can't let him beat me this year. Thank you very much, Hannah. Best of luck and thanks for the GP update. We'll get you on here soon again. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Blackout in the chat room says, as per our chat earlier, Baku is actually 3.5 kilo spanners long for your information. Gosh darn it. Let's catch up with the panel. Alex Goldschmidt, you are a podcast host in your own right and you do a podcast that I correctly know as being called Race the Roof. And it is about what? BTCC. It's, yeah, solely about BTCC. Um, but apart from that, I do quite a few other things. Uh, commentating on a couple of, uh, well, one particular karting championship, which Mr. Van Gina and I had a brief chat about beforehand, didn't we? Uh, Daytona D-Max, but I'm also doing some commentary for Roy House, where um, a certain Lewis Hamilton cut his teeth as a seven-year-old. Um, so I've been there a few times and I've got more work coming there this year. Uh, but I'm also the Germany editor for touringcars.net. So yes, hence the fact that he calls me a tin top apologist. That's one of the funniest things I've ever said. Well done me. Alex, where can people find you online? On the Twitter sphere, you can find me at uh, Alex underscore G 1977, uh, as well. Uh, you can uh, and also, we should be kicking back off with Race the Roof very shortly. Mid-season review coming up, but then a few weeks later, it's uh, off to Snetterton, where they go back for the next, uh, for the, I think it's the sixth round of the championship, and then we've got another four to go, and then uh, someone will win that championship, which probably a lot of you guys won't have any interest in if you're not watchers of the BTCC, but never mind. Fascinating. I mean it. Sincerely fascinating. If you want to catch up with Race the Roof, make sure you subscribe to Downforce Radio, which is going as Downforce UK after a rebranding. So find them on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Before we go on to talking about Williams and Stroll, I would like to take a moment to plug our podcast friends. They have a podcast called Literally 
what does that mean? And I want to recommend these guys because I want to support podcasting. If if you have a podcast and you listen to this and you're you're a podcaster, do get in touch with me, spannersready at gmail.com. But these guys basically hold pop lyrics to account for their literal meaning. So, for example, in episode two, they are examining Khaleesi's uh, milkshake to the yard song what's it called milkshake and you know they're calling them to trying to figure out what kind of milkshake it is uh you know why the milkshake was there how long it's good to keep it there i'll just play a little clip from them right now the most startling statistic of today's show is that this uh group of people drink 39.5 percent of the time whole milk quite a big big increase so therefore definitely definitely whole milk in khaleesi's recipe no i agree but i mean there are other factors to to sort of link into that as well. Khalees, for example, is from a more sort of wealthy and privileged background. It's just some random, surreal conversation about pop lyrics, and it gets very, very nerdy. So that podcast is called Literally, What Does That Mean? All right, let's move on. I want to talk about Stroll. As I said last week on the Race Review, I was very happy for Lance Stroll. He looked so happy to be up there on the podium, relieved probably more than anything. You could tell how happy Williams was as well. You really get the sense that they love him, that he's a very popular character within that garage. He seems like a nice bloke. He's not arrogant. When he hasn't performed well, he said, I haven't performed well. There was one qualifying session where he said, I was only three-tenths behind uh, Felipe. And that's really good at the moment for me. Just an honest, genuine, nice bloke. But I don't think that result from high attrition or the result from Canada necessarily means that he has actually changed a corner. He has just taken a slow and steady approach, which in high attrition, high carnage races has yielded two results. But in the long term, I don't know, Matt, I don't think that that's a tactic. Slow and steady doesn't win the race in Formula One. And yes, he might pick up these these freak results, but unless he significantly improves his pace and form... I don't think that these results have changed anything. Well, boy, is this just the, what do you call it, sticky wicket of the whole situation? Yeah, because you don't want to be a party pooper, do you? No, you don't. And so things we have to admit, Stroll has improved. There is no doubt of that. He improved uh, at most people's reporting uh, after a coaching session with Rob Wilson. And he may continue to improve, but I think the judgment on Stroll has to be that he was not ready for the opportunity when the opportunity was ready for him. Absolutely. We don't know how far he's going to go, but relative to other people who have absolutely earned their spot in Formula One, it's it's a little bit iffy. He's not showing that je ne sais quoi, for lack of a better way to put it that we see from drivers like Hamilton and Alonso and even, I guess you could say, Vettel as well. Uh, Steve in the chat room says, Stroll only has to get better results than Palmer and complain less than Grosjean and he'll do fine. Uh, On the Gas says, Stroll may have turned a corner at Baku. Well, yeah, he turned all of them, which is more than can be said for Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Look, I, I don't want to be a party pooper at all, but, I mean, Massa was in front of him and if Massa had not had that problem... You know, he likely could have won that race. He could have held off Daniel Ricciardo till the end. He was behind Felipe Massa. Yes, he might have done okay, better in qualifying against him. But as it stands, he's much slower than Felipe Massa, who's not a driver I rate. And I'll be happy to have this argument with anyone. And I have been having it with 
Chris Stevens. But Jeansy, I want to get your opinion. I just don't rate Massa, especially now at this point in his career. And it's a very, very low standard he's being judged against. And he often falls short of that. Massa had two good seasons and that was it. Um, I'm in the same boat as you, Spanners. I don't rate Massa, um, which is actually saving Stroll's blushes a bit. Mm-hmm. Because if he was up against someone like bad example for Baku, but if he was up against someone like Hulkenberg or someone like Grosjean, he'd be getting, he'd be getting, well, palmered right about now. Um, he'd be so, getting palmered. No, oh, no. I, I like Jolien, but unfortunately he's, he's, anyway, we're not talking about Jolien. Not yet. Um, I think with Stroll, the last two results will boost his confidence. Yes, which is certainly. the important part. Yeah. Confidence when you're being ridiculed at every single press conference by every single media outlet is important. Um, so we'll see him get better. Is he going to be a max? Probably not. Um, has he got a long time in F1? As long as he doesn't keep crash, as long as he doesn't crash cars and the money still comes, he'll still be around for a few more years. And he's only 18. Oh, that's he's true. Only 18. It's true, but Goldie, F1 isn't a nursery it's not a primary school. This isn't meant to be the place you learn. You're meant to come, to come to F1 ready. I mean, is this a bit embarrassing, you know, when you compare it to other top flight series and other disciplines of motorsport? But when you think about where both Max Verstappen, and Esteban Ocon, uh, Pascal Wehrlein and Lance Stroll have come from, the FIA Formula 3 European Championship, which is one of the biggest learning points in a single seat to driver's career. I mean, think about who we've got coming through, potentially, you know, the next potential McLaren driver, Lando Norris. You know, you've got other drivers like uh, Joel Eriksson, uh, Max Gunter, a Mercedes junior driver we need to watch out for as well. So, yeah, Max had a, a few. Well, Max, I, I, I saw it. I had the pleasure of watching him race in 2014 before he joined Toro Rosso. But, yeah, I, I agree. You, you've got to come to Formula One ready. But also the, the fact that Matt, um, Lance also had an, ex, uh, an extensive testing regime before he actually got behind the wheel of the current car was very reminiscent of what a certain Jacques Villeneuve did. Fair enough. And whilst you're just talking quickly about Lando Norris, I have to say I've got like a Twitter crush on Lando Norris. He's an entertaining person to follow online. And I just hope that he can carry through some of that personality to F1 and it doesn't just get flattened and killed. Like we saw effectively with Lewis Hamilton, that bright bubbly kid who was making jokes, like quoting Ali G and stuff like that. That got completely beaten out of him until he turned into quite a boring guy to interview at the moment where he just goes, just want to thank my team. You know, he's got it tattooed on the inside of his eyelids. Just want to thank the team and the fans and X place that we are right now is the best place we've ever been to. And we have that, Lewis Hamilton. The Ali G thing wasn't him being funny. The Ali G thing was him being very, 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 very upset. No, oh, it was just funny. <laughs> I, it was I like the popular meme of the day. If he could. It was the most popular meme of the day. Don't be silly. Uh, but yeah, uh, if anyone knows Lando Norris, let's try and get him on here and have a chat with him before he gets famous. But I just want to quickly go back to Massa because what would be interesting is what if we saw Stroll up against Bottas? For example, uh, had it had it been Bottas staying there and a different driver having gone to Mercedes, I think, yeah, it would have looked really, really bad. If you look at Massa versus Bottas, it was something like, and why can't I find it here? In qualifying, it was 17 to 4 in qualifying. That is a huge difference. Is that the biggest qualifying gap between teammates? I'm not sure. Um, but when you look at the points as well, Bottas picked up 85 points compared to Massa's 
53. So I think Jeans makes a great point that his, his jeans, uh, that his jeans, that his blushes are probably, probably being spared. Oh, trumpets, while we're here, what's that thing hanging on your mic stand? Oh, that's just my tiny little additively manufactured Mist Apex podcast sign sent to me by the one and only Blackout19, to whom I must say eternal thanks and gratitude. It's a cool little thing. It's a cool little 3D printed hanging plaque with Mist Apex podcast on it. Bit of color next time, or we can color it in ourselves. I can get my kid to, to paint over that. Fantastic. Uh, All right, then. It was a limited run, and we thank you very much for doing that. Very generous. Paid the postage and everything. Let's catch up with Jeansy. So apart from your recent trip to the Nürburgring, how is everything going? You mentioned to me that you were planning to do a bit more karting this season, and also your new tactic is to carry a little additional downforce to help you through the corners, and especially in the wet. Um, Yeah, having not been in a kart since January... Um, after the BRKC and the first round of Kovkart, I have, after, to be fair, I made the decision at the Nürburgring after seeing cars racing round for an entire weekend. Yeah. I was like, I need to get back in a cart. Um, had a very brief go on the electric carts at the Nürburgring and they were horrific. It was either on or off. It was a horrible thing to drive. But no, um, Silverstone weekend, I will be at LO Park for the Kovkart, uh, round five or six i can't remember um i'm just turning up to cause some chaos but yes unfortunately i'm running a little bit heavier than i would like to um but i'm hopefully yeah. going to sort some of that out before that weekend interesting to hear your opinion on electric carts because i've been trying them out and i don't think it, it feels like karting to me at the moment they might improve in the future but it's i don't know you're right it's the on-off nature of it means that you actually don't get good racing. There's not that whole, there's not a penalty for getting off the power and there's not that same pressure to carry speed through the corners. Yeah, I mean, the issue I had with these particular ones was it didn't drive like any car I've ever driven before. I normally brake quite deep into the corner, get it sorted out on the apex and I'm on, I'm on the power hard getting out of the corner. But you couldn't do that in these. You literally had to put all around and it just wasn't my driving style. Uh, the guy I was with, Mike, did really, really well. Found the pace instantly and did very, very well. But um, but yeah, so I'm hoping to fare a lot better in Elo's um, bathtub soda carts. Cool. And you and me have got to get around uh, track soon. I think what I'm going to do for July is I'm just going to book a place, probably at Daytona, Milton Keynes, just going to book into one of those open sessions about three or four weeks in advance and just say, whoever wants to come, come. If there's three of us, we'll have a race with three of us. If there's 50, we'll have, uh, well, no, I don't know, turn it into a nightclub. We go do, we go book yourself in for a D40. That's the way to do it. They're about 75 quid though, but it's a good race and there'll be lots of people there. The thing is with karting, it is simply that you get what you pay for. Um, yes, I'll consider doing some cheap events at some point, but I do want to go out and do some proper outdoor karting because it's been a little bit of time. So in June, we have had a pretty successful month in the world of podcasting. And I just wanted to share with you folks that with the help of Joe Saywood's shows, which obviously attracted a few new listeners and some extra output because the Joe shows are additional to the weekly shows we do, and Matt and I have done our prediction shows for Sportsbook Review, we have managed to put together a total in June of 42,000 downloads. Now, to me, that sounds like a legit number, and I'm extremely, extremely pleased. So thank you so much to everybody who shared the show. Honestly, that is a great way to support us. You just retweet, share the shows on your feeds, tell two or three people you know in real life, and before you know it, it builds and builds, and I'm absolutely delighted 
that people are actually listening to this that we put, uh, you know, we do put a bit of effort into it, Matt, don't we? Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Just a little bit, just a tiny bit. We try, and also we have been nipping in and out of the charts on iTunes in certain categories. In fact, in one very minor category, we were number two. So, and it was a minor category, it wasn't like sport or anything like that. Uh, we probably don't stand a chance in sport, but if we can get into the top 200 in sport, I'd be so, so delighted. So to that end, any iTunes reviews would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Let's talk about some more F1. Okay, Hannah, no one cares what 42,000 is in spanner measurements. And no, I'm not revealing what I weigh either. This ends here. Let's talk about the Vettel investigation. Matt, it's worth remembering that Sebastian Vettel has done stuff to annoy the FIA before. So we knew they gave him a 10-second penalty. We were pretty convinced, sorry, 10-second stop-and-go penalty. We were pretty convinced that that was going to be the end of it, only for them to announce that they were going to reconvene and have another look at it this week. So by the time a lot of you are listening, it probably will have already been decided, but they've said before Austria, which I would imagine would be Wednesday. Well, I I had thought it was actually tomorrow, but but certainly they have said clearly before Austria. I think they'll be looking at it tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is when they would announce it, when we would know, basically. So would the listeners listening to this uh, realize how wrong we are? So obviously we've got to caveat it, you know, either way. Are they going to just say no further action? Are they going to lay down a fine? Are they what, which is my choice, just going to take away his points from Baku? And just basically, the penalty in my mind was wrong and it was too light. So uh, I think the quickest thing to do would just be to do the right thing, which was do a retrospective black flag, take away those points. I think taking them away from Austria would then effectively mean that he's serving two punishments. Whereas if you black flag him, you're, you're not doing two punishments, you're just correcting the punishment. Well, uh, here's the thing. People are going to take this a lot of different ways. So uh, if you will give me a bit of leeway, I, I, I would like to point out the following thing, which is, first of all, the FIA is entirely within its rights to further investigate this matter. And there's two different reasons I'm going to say that. One is based entirely on what happened last year in Mexico City, in which they said to him, um, they have on an exceptional basis, decided not to take disciplinary actions, that they expect all participants to be respectful and mindful of the example they set for the public and the younger generation in particular. And they advise that in the event of any future incident similar to the one that occurred in Mexico, 
action will be taken by bringing such incident before the FIA International Tribunal to be judged. Now, granted, the initial statement had everything to do with the profanity leveled at Charlie Whiting. The wording is vague enough, and you'll note that there is no end to that statement. They didn't say by the end of the season, period. If it happens again and they judge it to be similar, then they they feel they are perfectly within their rights to drag him before the International Tribunal. In addition, there's some very specific clauses contained within the International Sporting Code upon which they could hang their hat. Um, And first of all, they reserve to themselves the right to do this on its own initiative, referring to FIA, in pursuance of the FIA judicial and disciplinary rules, bring a matter before the International Tribunal to have it directly inflict inflict one or more penalties which will take place of any penalty which the stewards may have pronounced on any one of the above-mentioned parties. And if they do that, then Vettel and Ferrari can, by all means, appeal it to the International Court of Appeal and to the ASN involved. But what you cannot appeal is the basic 10-second stop-and-go. That's in the rules unless you're disqualified or suspended for the next race. You're not allowed to appeal the penalty that the stewards handed down. And I've seen people make that allegation that this will just open everyone appealing everything always. That's not that's not really going to happen. So what are they really looking at? Well, it used to be the clause uh, basically bringing the sport into disrepute. They're going to be looking at Vettel. And much like we saw Grosjean get a race ban for his a- actions in spa, for the start at Spa, but that was based on an entire season's worth of driving silly at the start of races. So I think you're going to see the FI going to Vettel and looking at this incident, not as an incident that has simply been judged by the stewards, but you're going to be looking at it as an incident that is the culmination of years of what some people might term bad behavior. And that's my take on why they're looking at it. They feel they have justification. There may be new information. But in the end of the day, they have two entirely separate routes that are thoroughly justified under their own rules to haul him in front of the tribunal, should they so choose. Yeah, that was extremely thorough. And it really highlights the kind of mistakes that people were making when they were analyzing this. Because there's a difference between the FIA reviewing what the stewards did and a team appealing against a penalty. Yeah. And 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 to be clear, what has got most people bugged is the sense of, uh, certainly here in America, we have a rule against what's called double jeopardy. If I'm tried for a crime, then I can't be retried for the same crime if I'm found innocent. Or if I'm found guilty and punished, I can't be punished again for the same thing. But that's not what the FAA is really going to say it's doing at the end of the day. And that said, Everything that was available to the stewards is available to the FIA as well. Um, if we look historically, we have seen lots of suspended race bans. We could see a loss of championship points. Well, um, if I can and just stop, we could even see. Sorry, go man. ahead. Yeah, if I can just stop you there. When we talk about a suspended race ban, he's kind of already had that suspended race ban in a way. So to do that again would be silly. You know, talking like, oh, but I really mean it this time. You know, like when I'm counting to five with my kid, three, four, four and a half. Just punish if you're going to punish. So what's the actual criteria with a suspended race ban then? So has he actually got a suspended race ban? And if he has, what's the protocol on giving him the race ban? What's the rules? Because I don't know. 
Well, the the rules are that that would be the the penalty the tribunal decides upon as being appropriate in this case. And now it gets very interesting. If we're looking historically speaking, we've seen suspended bans that usually last to the end of the season. We've seen points drops. We've seen grid drops imposed. All of these things are possible. If you're going to ask me what I think makes the most sense, I suspect if it were me, I'd take two points off the table, reset the clock as, as it was when they went into the race, and I would give him a suspended race ban that any further, um, any further actions like this would result in an immediate disqualification. And I think the FIA is caught here. They don't want to interfere in the championship per se, but they also, I, I feel like the model on which these incidents have all been judged in the past is no longer appropriate in this era. And they need to send that message to the stewards. And the question is how to do that best. Absolutely, Jeansy. I don't think the FIA are bound by the fact that in the 80s, somebody bashed someone off and only got a three-second stop-and-go penalty and a spank. I think the thing that is being missed here is people are talking about where it puts for the championship. As far as I'm concerned, as first of all, a guy who has been on the track and involved in various instances on and off the field, um, also as a father of someone who eventually I would love to put through karting, the championship here is entirely irrelevant. What if this incident had been between, and I'm just picking two names, say Magnussen and Hulkenberg, who are both out of the points, for example, and Magnussen has done the same thing to Hulkenberg. A 10-second penalty would have done nothing. That's why this penalty needs to be a harsher penalty. It needs to be a blanket. This is what happens if you rage out and use your car as a weapon because that's what he did um, and take somebody out. I mean, people are saying, oh, we didn't mean to hit Lewis. As far as I'm concerned, if that is the case, that's just said even it. more embarrassing. And he should have just said it straight away. Yeah, sorry about that. four-time world champion. He shouldn't be messing around at 50 miles an hour and accidentally hitting into somebody. Joe That's Sa- worse. Yeah, Joe Soward completely dismissed that. And he said, look, these these are Formula One racing drivers. They're not monkeys. He, he hasn't accidentally steered into somebody. I know, Matt, you're going to make the case. Well, I'm going to make the case that the case could be made if you were trying to defend Vettel's behavior. I would say that if you look at the head-on shot, though, it looks incredibly intentional. It does. Um, but, but the point I want to make is what's interesting about this from a historical point of view is that we have no historical point of view. There has literally never been a case of someone doing something like this under the safety car in F1 ever. We've seen it in lower categories. And in fact, uh, in a much more egregious example, a racer passed 10 cars under the safety car and then launched himself into the leader. I was there. That was Silverstone. I was there when that happened, and I was just thinking about that, and it has killed that kid's career, and rightly so. He was banned for two years, Whoa. and the second year was suspended, and it was the end of him. He was 16, I think. Was that was that correct? Anyway, so so we don't have, I mean, everyone who wants to look back at what's happened in the past, well, this has never really happened, period. So the FIA is going to definitely want to get its oar in the water uh, with regard to setting precedent. Okay, so changing tack and moving on a little bit, the chat room is saying that I want Vettel to be hung by a tree. And yeah, well, I do kind of think there should be a punishment that fits the crime. And I did get accused on Twitter 
of uh, only wanting the punishment because it was on Hamilton and somebody tweeted, ah, you wouldn't be calling for a race ban if it was Hamilton that did it. Oh my lord, absolutely I would be calling for a race ban. I would be more devastated if Lewis Hamilton did that. Someone who I support, someone who I idolise, someone who I think is a F1 great. If he did that, I'd be calling for points, deductions, everything. Throw the book at him. I'd be so gutted. It would feel like a betrayal of my fandom. And what's been annoying is watching Vettel fans, instead of just accepting that their guy did something ridiculous, they've doubled down and they've spent more time analysing what Hamilton did or didn't do or saying, oh yeah, but what about when Hamilton crashed in the pit lane in Canada in 2011 and took out Kimi Raikkonen? What about this? What about that? No, stop diverting. Just accept that the guy you follow has let you down a little bit. Stop doubling down. But this is why I wanted to talk to you, Jeansy, because I know you had some opinions on the general media reaction. This has got to be the biggest something gate in a, in the in the longest time, hasn't it? In F one, it's been incredible online. I've actually enjoyed it. What's been interesting is the people in F one who've been saying he's been penalised. Get on with it. The drivers. Ex-drivers. That's the thing that stuns me the most. Brundle, Button, Villeneuve. I mean, Villeneuve's just Villeneuve, but <laughs> anyway, they've they've all said it's been penalised. Just get get on with it and deal with it, which I completely disagree with. Go on, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to say that's because they're drivers and they can totally imagine themselves doing something like that, and they wouldn't want to be penalised for it any more than Vettel's been penalised for it. And but it's wrong because it's categorically a different level of offense under the safety car and intentional or intentional or not the second hit is really the issue i'd have to agree there matt i I think really at the end of the day vettel should have actually been disqualified let alone being given a 10 second penalty um there was some very interesting comments and i mentioned this on pitboard one of downforce uk's other shows when we had this debate about baku and jackie stewart has also made some comments and actually made some comments about the steward, the guest steward that normally appears at the racetrack. And what he's actually said is that they should employ someone for two to three years to get into the role and then to also be impartial in the fact that they they find out what's been going on, who has what habits, what has been the the lie of the land, and actually be a bit more draconian because because that's what we need. I mean, I'm completely with Spanners about what he says about Lewis because it doesn't matter... Which driver it is, whether it's a four-time world champion, a three-time race winner, if you intentionally drive into somebody else, you're basically a safety hazard. So why be given points on an instant where you look like you actually had the red mist, uh, rather than having the red overalls and the red car, Sebastian, you had the red mist behind your visor, mate. Yeah. Well, I think we've beat that to death. We've covered this kind of twice now, haven't we, Matt? I think, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say on this subject or should we go on to some big, dirty news? No, I, I think I think that covers it from our point of view very nicely. All right, then. All right. So when I disappeared earlier, I didn't plug my soundboard back in. So all right, don't worry. The uh, podcast listeners will never know because I will sneakily edit it out. And this bit where I didn't then reset the desk volume. I'm going to have to play it again. See, this is why to join the live stream, isn't it? This is a treat. You get to see this kind of thing. It doesn't happen all the time. First time it's you ever happened. You get to see us screwing up. That's what they get to First see. time it's ever happened. Do you know what? It happens a lot, lot less. Yeah. It happens right. a lot less. It used to happen constantly. I used to have to, you know, I'd, I'd like delete the YouTube video straight away after. Go, I know I'd be able, it's like people seeing me naked. I didn't want people seeing the live stream. I like, know. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. 
only hear the polished audio version. But, you know, no. I used to always say, you're coming here to watch a recording of a podcast. But slowly and surely, I think we can say, you're coming here to actually watch a video live stream as well. Big Dirty News. That bumper there done by my lovely wife, who is a classically trained grade 8 pianist, and the best she could come up with was plink, 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 plonk, plink, plonky, plonk. We'll be having words later. I need some new bumpers from her, especially if I'm going to do some personal diary logs. Now, as you guys may or may not know, I had a big failed effort at trying to do Spanner's Log. I was basically trying to recreate Missed Apex podcast in this panel format with all its wonderful resources, into a space where we could talk about politics, religion, the meaning of life, pop culture, video games, have a, a raft of different people popping in and out. It was an extremely ambitious project. Very quickly, Matt and I realized that we didn't quite have the resources to do it. Uh, something I want to do, you know, pick up maybe next year or in a couple of years. But in the meantime, uh, I have been blogging more. I've been writing about my process uh, my podcast process for any of you budding podcasters out there and the things we do um, in the written form. But I'm not really a writer, writer guy. I've also recorded an episode of the new Spanners Log, where it's just me for 20 minutes, just self-indulgently talking into a microphone. And if that's the kind of thing that interests you, go to MissedApexPodcast.com and click on the Spanners Log tab and you can see what I have written and recorded. And I'm going to try and convince Matt on occasion, maybe after our sports bet review episodes, just join me for a casual chat on that same feed, Matt. What do you reckon? Uh, it sounds like a good plan to me. All right. Let's talk about the madness that was Eddie Jordan, who came out and implied very, very strongly. I can see Goldie's head go down. Is that because of Eddie Jordan? Uh, very, very strongly that Mercedes were going to lose interest in Formula One. Mercedes, they couldn't be bothered. It's all about the numbers and they've got no passion for the sport. And as soon as the numbers don't add up, they are out of Formula One and then made the very strong link because he's denied that he said it was going to be in 2018, but he was pointing to sponsors contracts, Patronus contract running out in 2018. And then the strong implication, whatever he says now, was that Mercedes was going to be out of it, Matt, and Toto Wolf did not respond to it kindly at all. Well, would you expect Toto Wolf to respond to it kindly? Look, Mercedes has been in and around Formula One for how long now? Yeah, long. Yeah, quite, quite. a long, long time. And yeah, now if you're talking about uh, directly running a team, could you see Toto and Nikki taking the team over somewhere down the line, buying it back for Mercedes as they get more and more shares? Well, you know, this could happen. This could not happen. But it's not going to happen next year. And it's probably not going to happen anytime soon because as long as they're winning championships, their marketing people are going to be happy, happy, happy. And I think that's what they are right now. I feel like they're getting a good return on investment and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And as far as that criticism being lab being leveled at Mercedes, well, yeah, you could level that at any manufacturer, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. You start start losing. Off we go. Uh, Goldie, Will in the chat room. I will. You've not piped up for a while. EJ is kind of the mad uncle that you don't want to invite to weddings, but have to. Uh, and uh, also Joshua Clare is saying his philosophy is if you place enough bets sooner or later, you'll get a win. Is this just pure showmanship from Eddie Jordan? Or is he actually Formula One's equivalent of Doc Emmett Brown from Back to the Future, maybe? 
I'm too young to get that reference, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but when you think about it, the person that actually really helped with Mercedes getting into Formula One um, is the ex-motorsport director, Norbert Haug. You know, he was very instrumental in McLaren and Mercedes joining forces as well, uh, which resulted in, a, in championships for McLaren through Lewis back in 2007. Quite a run of victories as well with the likes of uh, Hakkinen back in the day. So Mercedes have been in there for well over two, maybe three decades now. And being a manufacturer is probably the best strong point that they've had for their tenure in within Formula One, I feel. Yeah, and uh, it was crazy to see the reaction of Toto Wolff really slam- slamming him down and saying, look, you're actually dealing with people's jobs here, morale, shareholders, you're you're messing with things that you don't know about, and it's you know crazy speculation. Uh, Summers, F1, sent me a message earlier saying that he felt that it's rubbish, what Eddie Jordan is saying. He's reaching based on the fact that Lauda and Wolff get shares back each year from Mercedes. And as he understands it, by 2020, those two will have a significant portion of the shares to the point where Mercedes might become disenchanted. Uh, he'd call it for what it is. I'm going to change that word to rubbish. Mercedes get immense exposure from F1, as Trumpets just said. And so it's worth them being there until it isn't. And I mean, I've definitely changed the way I see Mercedes road cars based on the fact that they are the dominant team in Formula One. Of course, it's just, it's gold. It's almost invaluable. Like, you couldn't set out to buy that kind of exposure in any other way. They'd be foolish to give it up uh, just to make Eddie Jordan happy. That's <laughs> fair enough. I'll tell All right. how powerful the, the marketing has been. Ever since they've come into F1, I've been paying much, much more attention to Mercedes road cars. And when a 63 AMG burbles past me, especially when I was at the ring last weekend and the SL AMG came past me, it's trouser-wettingly good noise. So it's done amazing things. I want to murk these days. I never did. Well, there you go. You got a stamp of approval there. So they are remaining, but someone who might not remain in Formula One is Ron Dennis because he's selling his shares in McLaren. Uh, Matt, I know you love the Ron Dennis saga. And does it have anything to do with the suspected Chinese entry teams that have been floating around on the internet? It's confirmed Ron Dennis is leaving McLaren and he's going to buy a Chinese team and he will win the F1 championship in 2019. Well, I don't know if it has anything to do with the Chinese teams. But I'm going to suspect it has rather a lot to do with his dissing of Mansur OJ, who was the financing behind the team. And uh, there are plenty of people who say this moment has been a long time coming for Mr. Dennis. Uh, but still, you can't help but feel the sport is losing, you know, uh, again, something that made it sort of uniquely itself. Yeah, I mean... Something we'll miss is just, you know, his on-camera appearances. And, I mean, earlier when we were talking in our WhatsApp group, uh, Alex Van Jean here said to me that assumption is the mother of all mess-ups. And I quoted something that I hear very often at work, which is, all assumptions create reasonable starting points at stages where in-depth analysis is not cost-effective or creates unacceptable risk parameters before increases in progressive assurance allows for decreased mitigation of said assumptions. And that is the kind of phrase that Ron Dennis has made famous in Formula One, and it might be something we'll miss. Will I? Uh, I don't know. It's, well... Yeah, I think coming back to what Trumpets was saying about the um, the the friendship that really is over between uh, Ron and Mansur Ojo, I think has been the main 
point that's been breaking the camel's back at Woking. Uh, and now with everything changing, that the McLaren group is now pooling their resources together under one umbrella. It's showing that there is a lot of change that's probably been waiting in the wings to happen. And now that we've got Zach Brown in charge, things are moving along a lot more. Um, but yeah, with with what Ron did, you'd always find that there was some. There would always be a way that he could answer the question without actually answering it. Oh yes, and he was notably concerned with every last single detail in the garage, no matter how seemingly trivial or insignificant. But the question I would pose to you is, what effect is this going to have if we're going to bring the road cars and the racing under a single division in terms of people who invest money and expect to see profit and return? Because I've heard, it could be wrong, I've heard that you can lose a lot of money racing Formula One cars. Well, the chat room is, sorry, the shed is wondering why Mercedes aren't cashing in more on hybrid cars. Surely their success with the hybrid Formula One series is something that they can capitalize on. So with the merging of those divisions, that might be something we see, but that's business and that's not a thing I know about. The hybrid E-Class is awesome. I want one as a company car, but they won't let me. Um, But also you have to think about the naming of this year's Mercedes car as well, EQ Power, which is the new line of hybrid cars coming through from Mercedes. So there is a link, a correlation in terms of naming, but I don't know how far the technology actually stretches between the road and the Formula One cars. All right, Matt. Hey, it's been a while since I've actually hosted a news show, so I don't really know how much news there was out there. Is is that about that? I'd say the only other thing to set tongues a-wagging would be the potentially one or two new Chinese entrants into Formula One, which haven't been confirmed or vetted or anything else, but have certainly been talked about a lot the last week or so. Well, when I spoke to this with Joe Sayward on Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on this podcast. That's right. I have Joe Sayward on my podcast. No big deal. I don't hate proper anything. Part of my life. You know, just something I do now. Well, oh. I, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Damon Hill following you on Twitter. Oh my God. Damon Hill follows me. Apex podcast on Twitter. That made my day. I have turned into a proper fangirl. I was running around my house and Nicola kind of said to me, yeah, but what if he was like just looking at it and he clicked follow by accident and he's too embarrassed to unfollow? I'm like, that doesn't matter. He was still looking at the page. What a, in, <laughs> in one way, shape or form, Damon Hill was interacting with the podcast. But I was faster than him in a JPLM at Palmer's by 0.2 of a second. That's all I'm going to say. Just going to leave that there. Leave that on the table. Thunderbeast did suggest that I should immediately tweet Damon Hill with an insult to establish my dominance. I decided not to go in that direction, but yeah, exciting times. I know he did a hill climb at Goodwood with Jake Sanson and probably Jake put in a lovely word for us there and very, very nice of Damon to follow us online. Um, and we have a big guest coming up after Silverstone as well, as if it could get any better. Anyway, Joe Sayward said to me, there is no reason to buy a new Formula One team and it's just far too hard. You have to employ 300 people straight away. You have to manage to pry away those people because the people you need are already working for Formula One teams. There's not a Formula One team's worth people just wandering around looking for work. He said, why would you do that? You'd need the facilities. You'd need the aero. You'd need all the rest of it. What you would do if you wanted a Formula One team is buy an existing team. Matt, agree or disagree? Well, buying an existing team sometimes works out, but sometimes doing it your own way works out as well. And we could look to say, oh, I don't know, Haas is an example of, yeah, can be done, but they did buy a lot of uh, previously existing facilities. This is true. 
Felix uh, in the chat room quotes Ron by saying, Surprisingly for me, the psychological blow of losing the job halfway through Evil Takeover was much greater than I anticipated. Classic Ron speak. That was actually a classic Felix head fake. I will just throw it out there. He's fessed up to it in the chat already. Oh, darn you, fake news. You've gone all crunchy in the audio there, Matt, but you've written Bawamey in the news. Is that something to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I think he was going to be driving for uh, Formula One management, the two manor cars that they may or may not have been, may, they may or may not have bought. Ah, so he'll for- be like a like a test donkey bed driver. Good. I think that's 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 the best way he can be in Formula One, as in not in it. I intensely dislike Boemi from watching Formula E for the last three seasons. And I'm sure that Palmer's not worried about that at all. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Matt. Oh, actually, you're at MattPT55. Are you pushing anything specific at the moment onto our listeners? Um, not quite yet. I have to set it up. But yes, soon I will be flogging my very own project and we'll be expecting loads and loads of financial support from all of our listeners. Yes. And uh, it's worth noting that although uh, Matt is not sounding great at the moment over my Skype call, I don't know why, uh, he's doing quite a bit of professional voiceover stuff. And if you hear his raw audio from his end, sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, big push for Matt Trumpets to become the voice of stuff. Hire him to be the voice of stuff. All right, we're going to get out of here, chaps. One. I hate you, Goldie. Really? Never talk well, over a did, bumper. Well, did you not actually notice what I just put in the chat reference? A little bit of news, but it's not its not big news. But there is a rumor that Lucas Auer, could, uh, who's currently racing in one of the tin top series that I cover, might be ending up in... Uh, Formula One pre in-season test very shortly, apparently. Um, now, for those that don't know Lucas Auer, he is the nephew of one Gerhard Berger. Uh-huh. Um, at the moment, okay. So, hence the link here. Um, and there's rumours around that he might be going to Force India to test with them because they uh, they run the same livery as his DTM car, pretty in pink. Thank so, you very much. That's, uh, that's one to look out for. So, he's been in... Get out. Get out. Get, stand up. No, out of your own house. Get up and leave your own house until this show is over. No, I'm going to move on now, Goldie. Thank you very much for joining us on this new show of Missed Apex Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice so that you get this episode delivered to you without having to think about it and hunt us down on MissedApexPodcast.com. See how I got two plugs in there in one go. Follow me at Spanners Ready. And if you enjoy this podcast, which I assume you probably do, if you've gotten this far, perhaps you'd like to support the show. There are two ways in which you can do this. One is tell everyone. And clearly a lot of you have been doing that as our audience has increased. And we are very, very grateful. So just tell people that Missed Apex Podcast adds to your Formula One fandom. Or two, you can give us real money. If you support content creators on Patreon, then please consider supporting us. Go to mistapexpodcast.com and click the Patreon tab in the menu. I think that people who listen to 10, 20 hours of podcasting should consider generally supporting podcast content creators in the same way that they support uh, Netflix content creators, uh, Google Play, Music, uh, or what's the other one, Spotify, etc. I'm not suggesting you give up Netflix. In order to support podcasts, as somebody thought last week, oh no, goodness no. 
Not when I'm in the middle of season two of Fargo. But if we support podcast content, then we will get better podcast content. It's as simple as that. And if you do support podcasts, we hope that we can be one of those. So uh, generally, we do 8 p.m. on Sundays for our regular show and race reviews. I hope you'll join us after the Austrian Grand Prix. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. It looks like I've forgotten comment of the week, Matt. You have. I knew there was something. There was something that was going, there's something else. What is it? Right. So, uh, looking through them real quick, we start off with an early kick by Baha Mutiamat. Every circuit is low deg because the tires are made of adamantium. (laughs) Paul Wright is in with a shout. Need to check where I am in the league. Prob's about 100, which is 17 spanners. I don't know how that got in there. I'm not a unit of measure. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ Bone quotes my favorite movie. If you can dodge a spanner, you can dodge a ball, which of course was also uh, Ben Stiller at Lewis Hamilton. That was good. And oh, how did this get in here? Blackout 19. As per our earlier chat, Baku is three and a half kilo spanners long. And Christopher, ah, now I understand because Christopher Fonseca replied, African or European spanner. <laughs> oh, man, I know. Uh, Felix Bolin says, hopefully they are all measurement related. And Hannah Hassel is in with, he's not the podcast host. He's a very naughty boy. And also she's in with Palmer by a spanner with. All right. Who takes it? Who takes it? I don't know. I'm not done yet. Um, On the gas, Mick Schumacher isn't yet as fast as his uncle Ralph, which I just got to say, ouch. That's my favorite so far. (laughs) Uh, Felix now that's what that's that's why I didn't mention him about Formula Three people coming through because he's not as fast as the the Top Guns in there. No, he's not. Uh, Forty thousand spanners of downloads and on the gas says spanners is strictly imperial. That's true. Uh, spanners is in with jeansy. So much background noise, banging, etc. Oh wait, sorry, never mind. That wasn't actually that, that was me just telling off jeansy for having ridiculous amounts of background noise. And Felix is in with Mercedes installed magnets to draw Vettel into Lewis' car. Uh, Christopher Fonseca, I don't know, making me worried with the comment. What wonder what percentage of the chat room is currently naked? It's a good and point. Finally, it could be half. Uh, we're almost done, Joshua Clare. I'd like to imagine that without Ron prowling the quarters at the MTC, there are now dust bunnies in the corners of rooms. And last of all, Hannah again in with advice from Thunderbeast is never to be taken. No, that's true. All right. Do we have a winner there, Trumpets? Oh, I don't know. It's so hard. So hard. Well, it's not Baha who's just said in the chat room that he's currently naked. We don't need to know. Oh, dear. Uh, The the chat room has lost their mind. I I definitely like um, Felix Bolin's comment, uh, like Ron's comment. Surprisingly for me, this psychological blow of losing the job halfway through evil takeover was much greater than I I anticipated. That's actually one of my favorites from tonight. Do you know what, Goldie? Then you get the nod there. Congratulations, Felix. You have this week's comment of the week. Okay, chat room. We'll be hanging around for a little while. Bye to the audio listeners. Bye. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.